This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, the Out of the Box Draft covers our favorite moments of all time in all of sports. Our Q&A covers the group of five teams' chances at the college football playoff, as well as NBA teams to watch, dark horses, and our favorites for the NBA Finals. And we continue our top 25 players in the NBA reveal this week with 15 and 6. This week in sports includes an MLB review and preview of the postseason thus far and what we are looking forward to. Our college football picks with Iowa, Penn State, Oklahoma, and Texas, and BYU and Boise State on the docket, as well as an interview with Keenan Atchison ahead of the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury third fight coming up this weekend. Excited to have you with us on this Friday, October 8th edition of the Dylan and Dylan Show. Dylan Jesperson here with me as always is my co-host Dylan Holt. Still recovering after that heartbreaker loss as Cardinals suffered on Wednesday night. Dylan, how are you holding up, my man? I'm awful. I'll be just quite frank. I'm not doing good. Uh, and it, it was kind of boiling up to the to the Cardinals-Dodgers wild card game on Wednesday night. Because if you follow our social medias or if you just listened to the show last week, we made three picks. I got all of them wrong. Then the Titans went into New York and lost to Zach Wilson and the Jets. Don't know what happened there. I still, I think Zach Wilson is just going to be kind of a monkey over my shoulder for the rest of the time because he played one game in Knoxville, Tennessee and beat Tennessee two years ago uh, when he was at BYU. Then he's 1 0 against the Titans. So good for the Jets. Uh, it sucks for the Titans, but it is what it is. And then, uh, the monstrosity that was the in a wild card game happened, and Chris Taylor hit the walk off off Alex Reyes. Which, if you're a Cardinals fan, you knew that was going to happen as soon as Alex Reyes came out of that bullpen. But it's okay. Um, the Cardinals they had a lot of really really good things that happened this season. The 17 game winning streak, it no one will ever forget that. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, but fun season. Uh, I guess now I'm going to root for the White Sox, which. Uh, current standing not does not look great, but the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So good old go White Sox. Uh, and shout out to Kentucky for not making me look like a complete idiot last week. But yeah, excited for a good show. Yeah, I'm excited as well. Now, yeah, I feel bad. It was like almost the exact opposite weekend for me because you know those three picks we talked about. We it was the first time we've ever picked three 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 different picks on the opposite sides. And for one of us to go three and zero and zero and three, it was just wild. On top of that, then we picked the wild card games. On top of that, split those two, two and two, uh, won both of those. While your both of your picks lost, uh, and then uh, on top of that, uh, we talked about Michigan going to Wisconsin, a, a place we hadn't won since two thousand one, and we specifically talked about jump around not being on the playlist. And then all of a sudden, Michigan made it. A big, the one of the biggest parts of the of the college football Saturday last week was them stealing jump around from the Wisconsin fans. So uh, everything went my, my way last, last weekend. For, for I had 
I had one thing go my way, and that was the Tennessee Volunteers, and that makes no sense. If anything shouldn't have gone my way, it was the Tennessee Volunteers, but they played maybe the best game of football they've played in like half a decade against Missouri and just ran them into the ground. Tyon Evans looked awesome. Uh, Hendon Hooker looked awesome. And they've got me way too excited for Tennessee football this weekend, which is very, very scary. They're going to break out those new black uniforms against South Carolina at noon in Knoxville. It, I, I'm terrified of that game, to be honest. But if the Tennessee Volunteers want to be the bright spot in my sports life, I'll take it because I, I love them so much. Those black uniforms made me really want a, a new NCAA football game because it was just those, – those Filthy. Very, yeah. very filthy. And those are those back in the day when that when those types of you know uniforms would come out, that was like, oh, I'm making I'm starting a dynasty with that team tonight once those uniforms come out. So, uh, you know, it, it, it made that it made that itch way worse. But regardless, well, and, and us being fans of such traditional teams like Michigan, and Tennessee, we don't get these alternate uniforms all, that t- all this time. So, like, when I opened Instagram and saw it, I was like, oh, Oklahoma State's got some cool new uniforms. And then I was like, oh, this ball football, what is going on? So, I was very, very excited. I had a charge in my card for $100 for a new jersey. That I was like, ah, I, I guess I got to do it. So, that'll be in the mail soon. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, had to get one. Had to support the balls. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, excited for a fun college football weekend. Excited for a good show. Quick reminder to follow Tunnel Vision Sports on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as the Dylan and Dylan Show on YouTube. That way you'll never miss an episode of any of the fine shows we put out. Uh, big one coming up later tonight as well. They were recording the college football roundtable. Uh, be looking out for on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for that as well. Uh, we're going to start our show today with another out-of-the-box draft a uh, bit of an interesting topic, a broad topic, but I think something that could uh, draw some great conversations and some fun reminiscing that we're going to do uh, on some of our favorite sports moments of all time. Uh, most likely going to be pretty personal to us, but just could be moments in general. Anything that resonates us when you think about the best sports moments that that make you as a as a fan, make you think, get those emotional uh, reminiscent uh, feelings those are the moments we're looking for um so uh, it's going to be a fun draft uh, looking back on some of the best moments in our sports fan lives uh I'll throw it to you do you get the coin so we can uh, decide the uh, order this week get this nice dime uh, hopefully, the dime is, hopefully uh the dime is a little bit friendlier than the penny is but i'll go <laughs> yeah i'll go tails, tails. that is tails all right uh, I will take second and third picks. I will give you the first pick this week. Uh, so you can go ahead okay. and make the first pick. So my first pick, I'm going to go with one that's the only pick that I'm going to have that is not from one of my favorite teams. Um, this one is just like when I think of like iconic moments. I told you one of the ones before we started recording that I'm going to pick. Hopefully I'll be able to get that with my second pick. If you, if you nab it, I'll be upset. Um, but this first pick, uh, it instantly came to mind. It's uh, from just a few years ago, but uh, it's from the 2016 NBA Finals, Game 7. LeBron James with the block, uh, blocking Iggy on the fast break. It's just when when LeBron retires, hopefully in like 10 years, I hope LeBron plays for a while, um, that's going to be one of the first plays when they show the LeBron James career highlights is that block from 2016 uh, that secured that championship for Cleveland and uh, LeBron's third championship ring I believe for first career I believe he went to in Miami and then Cleveland and then the fourth with LA um but yeah that it's just 
Michael Jordan has the shot against the Jazz, and then LeBron has that block against the Warriors. And it's just that's his play. And it's when it, when I was thinking of iconic plays, that's the first one that came to mind. That wasn't one for my favorite team, so I had to get LeBron's block in there. LeBron's probably my favorite basketball player of all time. Uh, a guy that I'm going to talk about in a little bit is really chasing his tail, but uh, but LeBron's block in the 2016 NBA Finals, my my first favorite moment uh, of my four. I'll throw it to you for your one and two. Oh, awesome moment, obviously a very iconic moment for sure. Uh, I'm not, I'm not as big of a LeBron guy, but even as as someone that's, you know, I, I I'm not on the other side as much as I used to be. At the same time, I've grown to respect LeBron the, the tremendously, and, and those are the types of plays where you you ha- even if you are someone who doesn't like LeBron, uh, you have to go. Okay, this is next level type stuff for someone that can do something like this in a in a moment like this. Uh, that's next level type stuff. Only him and Jordan are, are the only types of players that can do that. So uh, love the pick uh, for my first pick. I'm also going to go with my only pick that is not one of my teams. I, I, I thought, you know, I have to get at least one of the moments that aren't just specifically going to relate to me. Uh, and I'm also going to go recent and also going to go in the realm of basketball. One of my favorite players, someone I'm going to talk about uh, in a little bit with our top 25 reveals uh, in 2019, the first round of the NBA playoffs, Damian Lillard step back game winner series, clinching buzzer beater against the Oklahoma city thunder. Uh, it, it I, I was I actually had to pick between the two Damian Lillard buzzer beaters because the one against the Rockets is even it's just as fun and just as awesome to watch. Uh, but the distance that he made that step back over Paul George um, and just the, the the amount of confidence, because the first one was more of like, you know, I, I it was wild. The Dame hit that the second one, even shooting it from like 40 feet or so back you just knew the Dame was going to hit that shot. You just, it just solidified him as that, that clutch time player. Uh, and it's one of my favorite things. Like uh, I saw a video not too long ago of Dame uh, in, in the arena and they, they, they brought him back specifically right to that spot where he shot that shot from. And he was looking at it and he's like, he's looking at it like it was this far. Like, dang, that was a, that was a bad shot. I don't even think it was a good shot, but that's just how crazy it was just in the moment Dame hitting that shot. And it makes, it just makes for a perfect moment. It's one of my favorite all time basketball moments. Um, So happy to have that with my first pick with my second pick. uh, This one is near and dear to my heart. One of my, uh, the, the moment that made me fall in love with baseball. um, Unfortunately it would end uh, very very quickly afterwards to your Cardinals in 2006. But I have to go back to the Maglio Ordonez walk-off home run to win the 2006 ALCS. Uh, it made me fall in love with baseball. I was playing baseball at that point in my, uh, in my youth career, but uh, a moment like that only comes around once in a lifetime when you get a, a walk-off home run to win a series. Uh, and, and it was extra special because growing up, the Tigers were really bad. Uh, the Tigers had that one year, they had the second worst record of all time in baseball, um, which is saying something because the story behind the worst team of base in all time for baseball is a very interesting story. Uh, they should have been really bad so that the Tigers almost were, were very close to breaking that record. They were really bad for, for a large part of my youth. Uh, 
Um, and then that 06 team just turned everything around. Justin Verlander was a rookie and um, Maglio Ordonez hitting a walk-off home run to secure a sweep, send us to the World Series. It was just one of those moments as a, as a child you'll never forget. Uh, unfortunately, the Cardinals were a better team in, in the next round in that World Series, but um, it, it, it is the moment that came to my mind when I thought of all-time moments that Maglio Ordonez home run. I have to have it on my list. So um, I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. Both very good picks. And I, I had Dame as one of my honorable mentions. And I literally just put either of the Dame playoff buzzer beaters because the, the Rockets one and then the crazy one against Paul George and the Thunder instantly came to mind. Uh, LeBron edged it out a little bit for me. But I also, it's hard not to love Dame. It's absolutely hard not to. Uh, I'm glad you brought up walk-off home runs, though, because my next one is a walk-off home run uh, for my St. Louis Cardinals in the 2011 World Series. Uh uh, game six, it was the bottom of the 11th, I believe. Uh, David Freeze came up and uh, he he hit, he hit it to uh, Freeze. I, I believe they call it Freeze Landing now, Freeze Lawn, right there in dead center at Bush Stadium. Um, I will just, I'll never forget watching that because I thought the Cardinals were dead. I thought they were so dead. I thought the Rangers were going to win. Several times in that game, I thought the Rangers were going to win. And uh, I just... I, it was unbelievable because David Freeze, I mean, that team had Pujols and Matt Holiday, Lance Berkman kept coming up big, Yadier Molina, obviously, um, amazing player. I don't think that anyone, I, I didn't anyways, sitting there in 2011, I wasn't expecting David Freeze to be the World Series hero, especially a kid from St. Louis uh, delivering the winning game six and forcing the game seven. The Joe Buck. Love, or, love him or hate him, great call. We'll see you tomorrow night is iconic. And if you say that to any St. Louis uh, Cardinals fan, they instantly know what you're talking about. Um, I still have my David Freeze 2011 World Series jersey that I wear all the time. It's I think it's the my favorite jersey I own because um, it's got that patch. And David Freeze, for all the great players the Cardinals have, David Freeze is probably my favorite Cardinal ever because of what he did in that World Series. Uh, that one just definitely stands out to me. Uh, and that's the LeBron uh, block was what came to my mind after the David Freeze walk-off uh, because that's just – it's just uh, pure bliss when I think about it because it, it's literally nothing but happiness. Um, then for my third pick, moving on from baseball, I'm going to go football. And uh, I'm going to go back to 2016, so the same year that LeBron did the did the blocky block in game seven. And, uh, Tennessee had a very good team under Butch Jones. Butch Jones – there's a lot of words you can use to describe Butch Jones, but he was a great recruiter and he had a great team in orange and white. They didn't always win, but they had a really good team with a lot of talent. A lot of guys are in the NFL. Now Um, we played Georgia in Athens and uh, it was a crazy high scoring game going back and forth. Josh Dobbs at quarterback for Tennessee, Jacob Eason at quarterback for Georgia. I remember Tennessee scored uh, on a Derek Barnett sacked Jacob Eason uh, forced a fumble and Tennessee scored to go up. I believe five with like a minute left. And then Jacob Eason left, led Georgia down the field, scored a touchdown about 12 seconds left. And Georgia ended up getting a uh, um, uh, celebration penalty to make the kickoff super long. So Tennessee ended up returning to about half uh, midfield. And then Josh Dobbs, it goes down an infamy, infamy now, if I can speak. Josh Dobbs rolls out, throws it up. And it goes right down to the hands of Jawan Jennings. Uh, and somehow Tennessee beat Georgia. 
they probably shouldn't have, but they did. Um, I just remember losing my mind, and I I just couldn't believe it because that was when Tennessee wasn't winning big games like that. I we had beat Georgia or Florida either the week before or a few weeks before, and it's like, is this Tennessee team legit? Are we about to, are we about to do some stuff? And then obviously the the wheels fell off and they became Tennessee again. But for that little moment, it really seemed like Tennessee was legit. Uh, Juwan Jennings. Like I said about David Freeze, David Freeze is one of my favorite Cardinals. Juwan Jennings is a thousand percent one of my favorite Tennessee volunteers, if not my favorite. He gave his all for Tennessee in some really, really dark years, even though he had some really, really great moments like the Hail Mary against Georgia. Uh, but yeah, David Freeze, Juwan Jennings, two plays that stick out to me uh, are very, very, very close to my heart. Uh, I'll give it to you for your next two. Great two picks, obviously. Yeah, obviously, I knew the the freeze pick was coming. We talked about that right before we started, um, and I, I, I didn't really think about it, but I should have known that that the the Dobbs to Juwan Jennings play was coming because that was uh, one of those big wins that I, for, as a as a college football fan, uh, you remember when Tennessee gets those big wins because it hasn't been a lot lately, and the, the but that one was that one was a very big one. So uh, love those two picks. Uh, I am going to. Echo you. I'm going to stick with Michigan now. I'm going to because I, I'm I'm a Michigan fan through and through. Uh, that's a, what people identify with me is is my my fandom of Michigan. Uh, so I have to get at least a, a football and a basketball one. The basketball ones are much easier because the the Michigan basketball program has been a lot uh, nicer to Michigan fans in the past few years. Um, I had to pick between two. I'm going to take the Trey Burke shot. Uh, against Kansas in 2013 uh, in the Sweet 16 that ended up tying the game, sending it to overtime. Uh, an awesome call from Kevin Harlan and, and Steve Kerr on it when, it, when he hits a 30-footer a, a uh, when, when his jump shot has been sporadic at best, is what Steve Kerr said. Uh, just an unbelievable shot from, a, from a, the AP Player of the Year. Uh, it, was one of, it was the moment that like, changed my vision of, of what Michigan could be because uh, growing up, Michigan had always been very good at things, you know, football, basketball, even at times, but there were, they would never get over the hump. If it was, there was a big game and there was a big moment, it would go against Michigan in, in some way. Uh, but that was the moment where I was like, okay, we're not cursed. If we have the right players, if we have the right guys, we can, we can actually do something uh, and beat a, a traditional power like Kansas like that in one of the best ways possible. So uh, it lives up to the March madness, uh, uh, the madness of March. Was that the year that Michigan played Tennessee in the NCAA tournament? I don't think so because we, we played Jarnell Stokes was at Tennessee and Josh Richardson and Jordan McRae. And Tennessee was not supposed to go deep. I think it was the Elite Eight. It had to have been, it wasn't the Final Four. It might have been the Sweet 16. I don't know. So in that tournament game, Michigan went up big early, but Tennessee fought back. And it was like, I think it was Nick Stauskas. I think it was that team. That would have been the year after. Okay. Because that game came down to a block charge call, and I will never forget it. (laughs) It always made me so mad. Because I've always liked Michigan basketball. I've, I've always thought you guys were fun to watch. But in that, like, little, like, 10-minute period, I was like, man, I hate those sons of guns so much. I, I still swear. <laughs> I, I think it was a block that – I think they called a charge on Jarnell Stokes backing down somebody, and it should have been a block. I can't remember. I just remember how mad I was in the moment. 
but I had to bring that up. <laughs> Luckily for you guys, uh, we we got our own dose of March Madness like the next round because that was the year that would that would if that was the Stauskas year that would have been the year that Kentucky beat us on a buzzer beater uh, when the hair when the hair whichever one of the Harrison brothers just went on that streak where he was hitting buzzer beaters every every night to to give Kentucky keep Kentucky moving in that tournament. Uh, we were one of the victims of that, so uh, you know that tournament sucked. But the one against Kansas much better because we were the ones doing it to other teams uh, ended up losing to a very good Louisville team uh, quite uh, quite a legal Louisville team uh, on the other side but uh, one of my favorite moments uh, for Michigan basketball just barely edges out another an, another moment I'll talk about in my alternates um, but with my last pick uh, I've had enough basketball so I'm going to go to football I'll go to Michigan football uh, and the one moment that I've, I've talked about before um, that made me fall in love with Michigan football was the 2004 comeback against Michigan State uh, engineered by Braylon Edwards. Uh, if you don't know the context, it, 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 if you aren't a Michigan fan, you probably don't know the context. It's a, a pretty meaningless game in terms of uh, the what happened, you know, Michigan wasn't a great team. Michigan State was not a great team either, but uh, Michigan was down 17 points with like four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Um, and then all of a sudden, Braylon Edwards just became the most unguardable wide receiver of all time. He ended up catching like four or five touchdowns in the game. It was just, uh, and our offense just basically became drop back, throw it to Braylon and see what he can do. Uh, and he brought Michigan all the way back from 17 points down. It took a couple of onside kicks to get it all the way back, but um, ended up winning in triple overtime. Uh, and it was just one of those, it, it, I was at the game. It, it, it's just one of those games that always sticks out when you met when you're at a comeback like that, it's just like something different. There's something different in, in a game like that. And it's what makes a lot of us fall in love with sports. And, and that's why I have to have that game. It's not even a moment. It's more of like, the entire fourth quarter and overtimes of that, of that game. But, um, you know, if, if Michigan fans will know what I'm talking about, and it is one of the best moments uh, of my young, of my young football fan life. Um, I'll throw it to you for your final pick. I, I really like those picks. Um, it was 2014 when Tennessee and Michigan played in the NCAA tournament. Um, Michigan won by two, 73 to 71. Look that up. Shout out to, Good old Google. Uh, my final pick, I've got a specific moment from the game, but it's it's really just that game in general. And uh, I'm going to throw it back to real recent memory. Uh, it would be the 2019 uh, NCAA tournament uh, opening round, Murray State versus Marquette. Uh, I And the moment I'm going for is it would have been early or late in the first half Darnell Coward, or as Murray State fans, the big nail, threw a behind-the-back pass, which one of the most beautiful passes ever from a center, in my opinion, to a cutting jaw Morant. Jaw catches it, cocks it back, and just dunks all over 22. I can't remember what his name was. He was supposed to be good. He transferred to Michigan State, I believe. Um, I can't remember what his name is. Dunked all over him. He was supposed to give Murray State fits. Did not matter. Jaw put him on a poster of all posters, on the biggest spotlight, on the biggest stage. Um, I just remember just jumping out of my chair. I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot believe what's happening. The Murray State race, I mean, I think we were up like 16 at that point over Marquette and a game that everyone was like, oh, it's Marquette against John Morant. Oh, they're, they're going to beat him. Marcus Howard's the best scorer 
in the nation. And Ja went out and had a triple-double. Tevin Brown had like 17 points in the first half. Shaq Buchanan was awesome. Big Nell just doing work against much bigger big men. But that Murray State team just had so much heart. Uh, ja was like the fifth player uh, ever to have a triple-double in an NCAA tournament game in the opening round anyways. Joined like D. Wade and Draymond Green. Really, really, really good company. Uh, being a student at Murray State at the time, there's literally just – that game is just so special. And just that last year of Ja, we had two years of him, but that his sophomore year was just so special, uh, just all the things he did. And winning that tournament game, it was just so, so, so much fun. And we don't talk about what happened after that against Florida State because that, that was not near as fun. Uh, but that opening round against Marquette, uh, when Ja had the triple-double and specifically that dunk uh, coming off the really nice pass from Big Nell was just – incredible and it was just it's just the the chef's kiss to that season uh because Murray State as much as I wish we'd be expecting national championships we'll take an OVC championship and a win in the opening round of the NCAA tournament yeah and that was that is Joey Hauser that that job baptized on that Joey Hauser yep yep and that, I, I love that as well because you know he had he did transfer to Michigan State he hasn't been very effective for Michigan State I I kind of love that he transferred to Michigan State because he's just been you know kind of there um but it, that that highlight it, it really doesn't take much to get on the Joey Hauser's skin either because it all, all it takes is showing him that highlight from when he was at Marquette um and maybe just telling him his brother is better better at basketball than him too but um his brother is good his brother is very good um do you have any alternates that didn't make your list yes i have quite a few um so i have jaws dunk versus alabama and it was the 2019 season but 2018 awesome dunk um throwing it back a little bit further i have no idea what year this was but isaiah cannon i believe when he was a freshman made a shot from half court at Murray State from his knees. One of the craziest shots I've ever seen. Uh, and that's when Murray was really good too. They they were just winning ball games. A lot of fun. That was young Murray State Racer fan before I was a student. Uh, just watching Isaiah Cam making a half-court shot. Uh, I've got um, Tyler Bray to Justin Hunter, 80-yard touchdown to open game versus Ole Miss in 2011. I don't know why that stuck out to me, but it did. That, it just came to my mind. Um, Vince Young's touchdown versus USC. In the Rose Bowl, the the game winner. Um, I just wrote Odell. I'm assuming the catch is what I was thinking. I'm assuming I just said Odell though. Uh, the Johnny Manziel touchdown versus Alabama that basically won him the Heisman. The Ray Allen corner three versus the Spurs. Any Damian Lillard game winner. And then I wrote the miracle in Murray, which I'm not going to go through the time to talk about that right now because that's a story for a different day. And hopefully, I. I will get someone to come on here and talk about. It. We talked about it a little bit with Preston Rice a couple weeks ago, but the Miracle in Murray deserves just like a documentary, and I, I can't wait to talk about it at a later time. Do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, I, I have uh, a few, not too many, but I, I do have a few. Um, in terms of more my team, I had Jordan Poole's game-winning shot against Houston uh, that just got edged out by Trey Burke's shot just because uh, Trey Burke's shot came first. It, it, but Jordan Poole's shot was just just as good, uh, and you can find videos of them side by side. They're 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 almost identical shots to to a degree. Um, uh, I also had Denard Robinson to Roy Roundtree to beat Notre Dame in 2011. It was the first game under the lights at, at Michigan, first night game ever at Michigan Stadium, uh, and it came down to a final last second touchdown, uh, which is pretty dope. Um, I was also at the only true Lions moment that you could even put on this, which was when Matthew Stafford uh, beat the Browns in his rookie year, uh, came back, 
came back, he injured his shoulder, went to the sideline. They took the timeout. He said, oh, that means I can come back in. Ended up coming back in, throwing the touchdown as his shoulder was just hanging there. Um, for To be at any Lions game where they win is, is kind of a, a blessing as a Detroit fan. Uh, to be at that game was, was uh, something extra special. Um, but, yeah, uh, other than that, uh, I had uh, um, the only other one I had that wasn't related to my teams. I had Marshawn Lynch's beast mode run. Um, to, uh, that just speaks for itself. It, it's one of the best moments uh, in football history. And, uh, um, you know, not much has to be said. There was a base. It registered the, the crowd noise registered on the Richter scale after it happened. It literally registered an earthquake. That's really all that needs to be said about the beast, the beast mode run from Marshawn Lynch, but uh, great draft. I'm excited to see how uh, that gets voted on, on social media. Um, so be sure to be looking out for the posts on social media, on our Twitter page and Instagram page. So you can help us decide who drafted the better moments. Uh, we will move on now to the question and answer segment of the podcast. And I like your question so much that I'm going to give you the honor of asking the first question this week. Yeah, for sure. So um, college football's kind of gotten to its groove, I'd say. We, we've had quite a few games, uh, quite a few weeks. I believe we're on week six, I think, now, um, which is crazy because it feels like we just started. Um, but the thing that's been on my mind, and it really it really got clicking during that Notre Dame-Cincinnati game, um, is this the year that a group of five team has a chance to make the playoff? And uh, I, I want to hear your answer because I, I think it might be, but uh, I'll throw it to you to see what you said. Yeah, I'm in total agreement. I really do think that this is going to be the year. I've been kind of hinting at it the past couple weeks, and it's only gotten stronger. And there's three main reasons why I think, you know, obviously Cincinnati, we're talking about Cincinnati as being that team to represent the, the group of five to getting into the playoff for the first time. And I think there's three main reasons why they can be the team. Uh, one, they're going to be a power five team next year. So that kind of like throws a different wrench into the the committee's thought process. They're kind of already a power five team. So it, they can kind of use that as an excuse uh, if they're undefeated by the end of the year, they'll be in the big 12 next year. So they're, they're almost a power five team, essentially a power five team, but still in a group of five conference. Um, since he is like, one of those teams that has beaten power five teams and has had the respect of a power five team without being that when they were in the big East, uh, they were in those BCS games kind of gotten shellacked by a couple of good sec teams back in the day, but uh, almost beat Georgia last year in the peach bowl uh, back in 2018, they beat Virginia tech in the military, uh, military bowl. So their team that has beaten power five teams has been right up there with power five teams. Uh, and then thirdly with Oregon losing, the the Pac-12 is basically out of it now. I don't see there uh, any path for any Pac-12 team to to make it to the playoff. Um, and with Clemson taking their second loss, uh, it's going to be really hard for the ACC to find a way to get their one of their best team into the into the playoff. I don't. Uh, Wake Forest is maybe the front runner right now, and I cannot see a Wake Forest, even an undefeated Wake Forest team, making the playoff. Uh, I'm sure maybe they could, but it, it's it's very open right now to see uh, what what could happen with that Cincinnati team. And then the, finally, I mean, the one other team that would take that spot would be Notre Dame, and they just beat Notre Dame. So they just basically eliminated the best competition for them not to get there. So I honestly, I do think Cincinnati holds their their destiny as long as they win out, as long as they beat SMU later in the season, which is their biggest look 
game left on the schedule. I think they hold their destiny. They could be the first playoff team uh, from the group of five. What are you thinking? I, I, but I think we're in agreement. Oh yeah. Big time. And I, I think they're helped out by the way the schedule works out. Cause the big 10 is going to eat themselves alive because Iowa and Penn state play this weekend and they're both up there in the rankings. So that's going to hurt them. Uh, whoever loses that. Um, and the big 10, you can't sleep on Ohio State. Ohio State's going to beat some people as we as we get to going. Michigan's going to – I'd say they're going to uh, play some tough games, might beat uh, some of those guys. So the Big Ten SEC could eat, eat each other alive. Uh, so that will be interesting. I think, like you said, Cincinnati controls their destiny. BYU might control their destiny too because they're in the same boat. They're power five next year as well. So I, I think both those teams have real chances. I If you would have told me this after I saw Cincinnati play against Murray State, I would have said no chance. I was like, that team isn't that good. They they kind of slept on Murray State. They're going to sleep through their, half their season. But if they play like they did against Notre Dame, against everybody, yeah, that team's good. Desmond Ritter's really good. Um, they they could definitely do it. And I, I Especially after seeing what they did against Georgia in that bowl game last year, I to see them bounce back, hopefully have an undefeated season. Hopefully they can run through the rest of their schedule and stay undefeated and go to a playoff and get to play in Alabama. Or if it, if we can set up a rematch against Georgia in the playoff, that would be awesome. Just the, the perfect sports storytelling there, that would just be awesome. Or BYU, they lose Zach Wilson to the draft and then they find themselves in the playoffs. That would also be awesome. So I think either one of those schools finding their way in the playoff would be really, really cool. Yeah, I think Cincinnati probably has the better chance just because they've they've got that Notre Dame win. They've got, uh, you know, they were on the radar before before the season a little bit. Uh, BYU is still undefeated. I just I've seen BYU play. There's some there's some bigger flaws with BYU than than meets the eye. Um, they kind of they kind of fly under the radar a little bit because they're one of those West Coast teams. They're playing late uh, late at night, but uh, I think. Even this week, we're going to be picking the BYU game. I think they're going to have some trouble with Boise State this week. So uh, it's going to be – I think Cincinnati has a very good chance, though. Uh, uh, I think really the only obstacle left would be if two SEC teams make their way in, which is very possible right now. I think if Georgia and Alabama ended up playing undefeated in the SEC title game, I think you could lock both of those teams in. Uh, but with the ACC being down, the, the Pac-12 being down – if Oklahoma loses a game, the Big 12 could be in a lot of trouble to, uh, for to field a playoff team. So um, I, I think really the only the only conferences right now, I've re- really the SEC is the only conference right now that has a, a, a for sure spot. I'm sure the Big Ten probably, but if if Iowa ends up being Penn State, then Iowa loses a loses a game late, and I'm sure Ohio State. I still am sure Ohio State's going to be Michigan at the end of the year. So uh, there's so many ways that the Big Ten could be, like you said, eat themselves alive. Uh, it, I think Cincinnati, all they got to do is win out at this point, and they're gonna, they're gonna, it's going to be in, almost impossible to keep them out if they're if they're undefeated at the end of the year. If the season ended right now, if they were like, "Hey, we got call quits. The playoffs start in two weeks." Do you think Oklahoma gets in or Cincinnati? If if they called it right now, I I I could see both of them getting in. To be honest, but, but I, if, if you if had it's choose, Oklahoma or Cincinnati, you had to choose between those. I still, I think it's Cincinnati. I think I think they've been more impressive. I think if if it was my choice, I would pick Cincinnati. I think the college football committee's choice would be Oklahoma. Just because oh yeah, probably yeah. it's Oklahoma. They're they're yeah. national power. If they're still undefeated by the end of the yeah. year, that's boring. It sucks. Yeah, but yeah. That, 
I would pick I'd want, Cincinnati, though. I think Cincinnati is the better team. They've looked better against yeah. against the opponents that they faced. Uh, I think Oklahoma's going to have trouble this week against Texas. Yeah, so. I do, too. I, Bama, Georgia, probably Penn State and Cincinnati. Iowa probably gets in there, but I'm taking that out of the equation. I'm trying to get Cincinnati in there. Shout out to the Bearcats. <laughs> well, one of those teams will get eliminated, Penn State or Iowa. One of them would be yep. eliminated this week. So, uh, yep. interesting stuff there. Uh, uh, I'm excited to see how all of that plays out. I'm kind of rooting for Cincinnati at this point because I just want to see that. Uh, it really, It really might be our last chance to really talk about something like this because it's going to be a, a 12-team playoff, it looks like, coming up soon. So Yeah, true. Uh, Group of five teams making it might not be as uh, novel as it as it no. used pretty soon, but uh, I'm excited. I'm rooting for it this year. Uh, we'll switch gears to the NBA with my question. Uh, we've got the obviously the top 25 reveal coming up in a little bit, but with the NBA season right around the corner, I'm just wondering uh, what teams are most on your radar, uh, the biggest competitors, some dark horse teams you think might be competitive this year, or just teams you think are going to be fun to watch, maybe not competitive but fun to 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 tune in and watch some basketball of them playing of course yeah i the lakers and nets obviously that they're gonna be awesome to watch and i i know it's boring but i kind of hope they do meet in the finals because it's just we we want to see who's better what what big three's better all that um the team that sticks out in my mind of like who i want to watch from the west it's memphis obviously i'm biased because i want to watch jaw but that team's just gonna be fun uh with all the highlight plays they make they play so hard um hopefully jjj uh can be healthy i know you might not be the biggest jjj fan being a as he's a spartan but um when he's healthy he's a really really fun player to watch uh and then him mixed with jaw and then steven adams uh and dylan brooks as he seemed to be breaking out in the playoffs last year i'm just i'm very very excited to watch the grizzlies uh and like we said last week i i or as i said i think jaw's gonna take a step forward this year and really really continue to blossom uh so the Memphis definitely, definitely in the West. In the East, I think Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte was a fun team to watch last year, and then year two with what's been more of a normal year than last year. Hopefully, Lamelo's healthy. He can get really accustomed to that system. Uh, Miles Bridges. Uh, they're just. I there's so many athletes on that team. Uh, I think they're they're going to be a team that's vying for that eight spot in the East, like they were last year. Um, I think those are two of the up-and-comers. I don't know if i call them the dark horses. I think the dark horse in the West is probably Dallas. Because um, I, I don't know. I feel like people are just sleeping on Dallas, even though you've got Luka. Um, I think that's what people are just like. They they just have Luka. And I don't think that's true at all. I think that's a good basketball team that's going to – I think they're going to make noise. I, I really do. And I, I, I think, like Ja, I think Luka – is going to take another step like he has the past couple of years. He just continues to get better. The East is a little more mucky, I think, because we, and we've talked about this when the season ended, it's, it's the Nets and the Bucks, and it kind of seems like everybody else. So I don't, I don't, it was hard to pick a dark horse. I, I think it's hard to look over or I guess to, yeah, I'll say look over and they could, they could definitely be the dark horse would be the Pacers because that's a team that's solid and they're adding Rick Carlisle. And when they added Rick Carlisle as the coach, I was like, hey, this is something that – keep an eye on that because Rick Carlisle knows how to coach basketball. Um, and they've just – they've got players all over the court. So I, I'm really, really curious to see what Rick Carlisle does with Indiana. But that's – I think it's just – I don't think the East is going to be – the bottom half might be competitive. But I think at the top you got Milwaukee and Brooklyn. 
and they're going to be fighting to take on the Lakers probably. But who knows? Phoenix might do what they did. Denver. There's a lot of good teams out west. The Clippers, uh, either team in L.A. could be making noise. I don't know. The NBA is a lot of fun. And I'm really, really excited for it to get started again. Uh, who are your teams to watch out for, whether it be dark horses, the favorites, or just teams that you're going to be excited to watch? Yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. My favorites uh, in dark horses are a lot of what you said. I obviously love the Lakers in the West. Uh, I think they're, even with the, the Suns making it last year, I, I actually have the Suns as a dark horse because I think LA is just such the favorite in the West. Uh, and uh, for obvious reasons, uh, they're going to be a really good team. And then I have Brooklyn and Milwaukee as just co-favorites in the East. I think it's, I'm, I'm more interested to see what Brooklyn's going to be. I think the Kyrie Irving situation just makes things more and more interesting. So, uh, it's tough to just, you know, I, I, I think it, it's easy to say that they're going to be really good because obviously that roster is just something, something else with KD and Harden and Kyrie, but, uh, we got to see them actually do it at this point. They they kind of collapsed in the, in the postseason last year. So uh want to see, I just want to see what they're going to be this year, but obviously one of the favorites uh, and, uh, but I don't, don't overlook Milwaukee because, you know, we saw what they can be at their best and they're, they're that is a scary team Um for my dark horses. I, I had Dallas written down. I, I really like Luca, you know, I really like the I really like the duo of Luca and Kristaps. I think it's underrated what they those two can do in a pick and roll, pick and pop type situation. I think that's a match made in heaven. Uh Golden State, uh, I have written down uh they're gonna get Clay back at some point this year, hopefully. And you know, once that once that duo is back together, Curry and Clay, uh, that Golden State team is gonna be just as good. And and they've because they've been so bad without Clay, they've built up a young core of guys with Wiseman there uh, that that it's going to be interesting to see how that team looks once they're actually at full strength. Uh, I also have Denver written down. I think once Jamal Murray comes back, I think similar situation there when they're at full strength, uh, watch out. They're going to be a lot better Um, teams to watch. I have Memphis written down. I'm going to be watching Memphis. Uh, uh, Jaron Jackson's a different type of Spartan because he didn't, really live up to his standards when he was at Michigan state still, but still got drafted really high. I, I, I respected his game and I was just always just like, I, I don't, I, I know he's better than he is. I know he's better than what he produced at Michigan state. And since he's been at Memphis, he's done that. So, well, that's how it is exactly how I feel watching him play for the Memphis Grizzlies. Cause you know, it's there. It's just, right. you got to get it out of him. He, he has flashes every game and then he does the things like his third game. He scored like 37 points. I mean, it's there. He's just got to make it consistent and stay healthy. That's I for sure feel the same way about it. Yep. This is the, the that has been the narrative around Jaron for a long time. And then coach, coach Izzo got a lot of crap because of that. Uh, I think a little bit unfairly Jaron, Jaron is a very high, high, high ceiling, low, low floor type player. A lot of times he gives you some really bad performances, but his best performances are unlike other players. Um, I also have Charlotte written down as a team to watch. I think they're going to be fun. I think Toronto is going to be pretty good this year. I think at some point they're going to be really good. I think that Scotty Barnes pick is looking better and better every time I look at it. So um, I'm, I'm liking that and had to give my Pistons a shout out. Once Cade and, and Killian Hayes gets a full strength, I think they're going to be fun to watch. I, there, there's something different about this Pistons team. I got to cover the preseason game and, and Cade and Killian were both hurt. Uh, but still, there's just like something different about this team right now. And, and you can feel it coming into the season. They're going to be competing for like that last playoff spot. And, and they're going to be 
if Cade is who we think he is, uh, they're going to be taking a big step this year, I'm pretty sure. So uh, definitely watch out for Detroit. Uh, I'm hoping watch out for Detroit at least. Um, I have two teams I forgot to say that are going to be fun to watch. The Minnesota Timberwolves, I very much look forward to watching them because that's just chaos because they've got so many good players and they're just not good. Anthony Edwards is awesome. D'Angelo Russell, I, I am a fan of his, but and I'm sure you're not. There's another guy. <laughs> Man, the NBA just ganging up on Michigan. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, I really like him. Then Cat, that's a that's a trio, man. But they whoo, they don't ever play together because someone's always hurt. So hopefully they can get healthy and all get on that court and do some stuff for Minnesota because that franchise needs it. They they need a shot in the arm. I feel bad for them. Uh, and in the East, uh, Washington. I, I wore this hoodie for that reason and almost forgot it. Because uh, I think just like Minnesota, just pure chaos in Washington. Because who knows? I that team is so different than it was like two months ago. They like they've shook it up so much. Uh, it's gonna be the Bradley Beal show. There's no doubt about that. We talked about that last week. But then, what's the side course to the Bradley Beal show? I think what what else are we gonna get from like Kuzma and Spencer Dinwiddie and stuff? That that team could be the eight seed, or they could be the bottom dweller of the East, which is not good. Uh, so I think the Wizards are going to be fun to watch just for the chaos, kind of like Minnesota. But Minnesota will probably be a little bit more fun in, like, the product on the court. I don't know. But Washington, very, very chaotic energy in the nation's capital. Yeah. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, another guy that fits, like, that bill of, like, he, he was really good when he was in college, but the, the Ohio State team wasn't very good. Um, you know, it's just – such a difference between Michigan football and Michigan basketball. Like if, if it was like, you're talking about guys like Michael Thomas or, or, you know, Ohio state guys like that, those guys would hurt my feelings a little bit, but Michigan basketball has been so good the past few years. They've beaten some of the better players that are in, in the league right now. So it's so different. You know, I, I don't really, those guys don't really, but I actually am like, you know, Hey, D'Lo was, D'Lo was pretty good. I hope he does. You know, I hope he does. All right. You know, uh, you never really beat us. So it doesn't really matter. Well, Delo's a Kentucky guy. He's from Louisville, so I, I got to root for the Kentucky boys. So I, I hope he does well. But yeah, when he's at Austin, he was good. But you guys, you guys beat up on him a little bit, so you can't root for him. Yeah, a, a totally different thing. And you know, I hope Michigan football can start doing that for me at some point because there's a lot of Ohio State guys I wish I could root for, but I'll never be able to. Uh, and that's just the, the that's just the way it will be. That's the best thing about being a Tennessee fan. Because there's all these schools across the nation that I have like no ill will towards. So like Ohio State, like I was a huge Dwayne Haskins guy. I and I love Justin Fields. Like both those guys, I was huge fans of. Um, I'm big on Olave. I, I really like Olave. USC. We've talked about that. I am almost a USC fan just outright. I really really like them. Um, just being able to appreciate other schools and the athletes they have while your school sucks. One very 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 cool. Uh, and I imagine when you're good, you can do that too because you can just beat everybody. So Alabama fans must have it pretty nice, but they're also Alabama fans, so that that kind of sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, all right, awesome stuff as always. We'll stay in the NBA for our next topic as we uh, it's time to reveal our next set of players in our top 25 for the NBA. Uh, some big names in store for this week as we give out our players from 15 to six. We will start with you, Dylan, at number 15. Who do you got at 15? 15, I got Ice Trey, Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I did not think Trey Young would be this high on my list, but I kept putting in names, and I was like, yeah, Trey's, Trey's higher. Trey's higher. And it got to Brad Bill at 16, and I was like, I'm going to give Trey Young 
a little bit of the edge because his team is going to be better. And I think that that goes in my head a lot. It's like, what are they doing to help their team succeed? And I, I think without Trey Young, the Hawks aren't that good. So I think that's a, a big testament to Trey Young. He's incredible. He's been incredible since he was at Oklahoma. Um, and I think like some of these other young guys, we talked about John Zion, uh, even Donovan Mitchell. I think he's going to take another step. I, I really do. He's one of these guys that's going to be the cornerstone of the league for years to come. He's so much fun to watch, just shoot from everywhere. Um, when he was called like the next Steph Curry a couple of years ago, I thought it was crazy. It very well could be true. He he really looks to be uh, really fitting in those uh, shoes, which is crazy. But yeah, Trey Young, Ice Trey at 15. What do you have at 15? Okay, love that pick. Trey Young, one of my favorite point guards in the league right now. I had him a little bit lower on my list, but love him up there at 15. At 15, I'm going to go with Carl Anthony Towns at 15. Uh, a little bit high, definitely a little bit high for Cat, but I think Cat is supremely underrated uh, because of how bad Minnesota has been. Uh, you talked about you think they're going to be fun this year. I think um, a lot of people hate on Cat because he just, you know, his defensive ability hasn't been good, and that's been a big problem with Minnesota. But I think in terms of, a center scoring the basketball. When I think of who I'm most afraid of at the five spot scoring the ball, I don't think there's many players above Cat. Maybe Jokic, maybe Embiid, but I still think Cat is the best scoring center in the league. So I think you got to have him up there uh, in the in in the top 25. I couldn't leave him out of it. Uh, I, might be a bit high at 15, but I, I had to get him in there at some point. So I'll put Cat at 15. I'll throw it to you for who you got at 14. So I was going to propose this to you when, we're, when we weren't recording, but I have to now because you brought up Cat. When we do our top five, I think we should mention the five players that just missed our list. And Cat would be the first one that missed my list. I was between Cat and Zion, and I, I didn't know who to put. And I gave Zion the edge because I agree, Cat's really, really good. And I was like, how am I leaving Cat on my, off my list? Um, but it, it's like you said, Minnesota struggled. There's there's question marks around Cat. Uh, but I, I've been a big Cat guy for a while. Big Cat guy. Um, <laughs> I, I really like Cat. Um, and I hope he has – I hope he's really good this year because if he is, that Minnesota team, they're going to be fun to watch no matter what. But if he's clicking, if Ant's clicking, if D'Lo's clicking, boy, oh, boy, he could have a special year, an all-star type year. And I, I hope he is the 15th best player. I hope he's better than that because he's a lot of fun when he's clicking. Um, but at 14, I do not have Cat. I don't have a Minnesota Timberwolf at 14. I have an Eastern Conference player, a forward from the Boston Celtics, uh, one Jason Tatum. Uh, Jason Tatum, I, it, my right through here in my list is a lot of young guys. So, yeah, so these young guys, they've taken really big steps. And Tatum, just like them. Uh, he had to deal with the whole situation in Boston where – he was maybe the third fiddle. They had Kyrie, they had Gordon Hayward, they had even Jalen Brown, another young guy uh, in that locker room. But uh, I think I think it really – I really noticed it anyways uh, last year towards the end of the season um, when he just started going off and just putting up big point numbers all the time. Uh, that playoff series against Brooklyn where Boston really didn't have a shot, but Jason Tatum went out there and gave them hell for 40 minutes was really, really impressive. Um, I – I think Tatum's going to continue to take leaps. He's obviously – he's behind guys like LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi, all those guys. But that three-position, four-position is so loaded in the NBA that Tatum even being in that conversation is crazy. And he's so young. Um, him and Bradley Beal both being St. Louis guys is really cool because they're both so good. Um, Tatum I, – I think Tatum fits the bill with Trey Young. 
Kyrie, these guys have or not Kyrie, uh, Ja. These guys have talked about they're young and they're just gonna continue to get better. Uh, that's why Tatum comes in at fourteen because I think he's going to be just have a star year this year. Uh, who do you have at fourteen? Yeah, I love that pick. I'll get to Tatum in a little bit at 14. I've got Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat. Uh, and I wasn't thrilled to realize I put Jimmy Butler over Bradley Beal. I, if, I, if I could go back, I might switch that. But I do – I have to fit Jimmy in here somewhere. And I still think uh, what sets Jimmy apart is he still, like, has the ability to be a number one guy on a competitive team like the Heat are. Uh, he is their guy, and the Heat – could be an Eastern Conference competitive team. They were in the finals just a you know a year ago. Uh, it was a weird bubble type season, but he still was a big part of that team. So uh, he's just a special guy, and he's a ter- a guy that it's tough to root against because he, he's you know in terms of work ethic and dedication to the game of basketball, he's maybe number one. You know, right up there with the the best of the best. He takes he takes his game really seriously. So and I, I love that about players. Uh, I've always admired that about Jimmy Butler uh, and still one of the best defenders in the league, very underrated in terms of what he can do as an on-ball defender. So um, Jimmy Butler at 14, maybe a bit high, um, but still there's a spot in the top 25 for Jimmy Butler for sure. So I, oh. I'm in there for sure. Uh, who do yeah, you no doubt. No doubt. Jimmy Butler belongs in the top 25. Um, and I had him a little bit lower at 21, but I, yeah, Jimmy Butler's awesome. And he's for sure the leader of that heat team. Uh, at 13, I've got the man that uh, was just in the NBA Finals for the losers, but that's okay, uh, Devin Booker. Um, we talked about Chris Paul last week. Chris Paul is a top 25 player, no doubt. Devin Booker is also, and Devin Booker is really close to being a top 10 player. Um, he's just – he's a go-to scorer. He, I, since he got in the league, when he, it was really when he had that 70-point game against uh, Boston – People started making the Kobe comparisons to Booker, which I think is just not fair to any young player to compare compare them to somebody like Kobe. But he he has those scoring games where it's it's Kobe like, which is the best I'll do for him because I I don't think he's Kobe Bryant. That's just not fair. Um, Booker can go out there any night and score forty or 50, 60, 70, as we've seen, and that was when he was like nineteen years old, which is insane. Um, He's like I've said with these young guys, he's just going to get better. And if he can add to his defense, add to his facilitating, Booker is going to be scary. And he could, I could see Booker getting in the same category as like a James Harden if he can work on like his facilitating and stuff because he's got the scoring down. Uh, If he can add some of those other assets to his game, he would be terrifying for the Western Conference and the rest of the league as he's already made it to an NBA Finals and won in the Western Conference. And he's just learning from Chris Paul. So, uh, he he's gonna be scary and it's he's gonna he's gonna be a menace for any defender in the league this year to try to cover. Um who do you have at 13? Yep, I absolutely love that pick. Another guy I'm gonna get to in a little bit at 13. I do have Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics, so I'm not too far away from where you have him. Uh, I was not sold on Tatum when he got drafted, so I'm like continuously tried to find flaws in his game, and I just continue to come up empty because he just he just feels like, and, and this is what I wrote down, he feels like a created player on 2K just because, like, his size and his scoring ability just seem, like, just too perfect to go together. Um, and he, he kind of reminds me of where Paul George was, like, when he was on the Pacers, kind of just coming up and you're like, okay, there's a lot that he could still do. He's very talented, and there's a lot that he could still add to his game. So I think that's where – you know, he's very, very good, an Olympian already, obviously one of the best, you know, three players in the, you know, 
guys at the small forward power forward range in that little in that little in between area he's up there with all of those guys so i you know i think he's you know there's a couple of things he could get if he was a touch more athletic i think he's a bona fide top five player in the, in the league uh, and I, I think he still has room to grow into one of that so uh we'll see what he grows into i think but obviously the potential is all there for Jason Tatum and what that Boston team can do behind him is, is really up to him at, at this point. So uh, I got Tatum at 13, who you got at 12. So 12, this pick terrifies me because this could make me look decently smart or it's like, why did you not have Trey Young, Jason Tatum and Devin Booker ahead of this guy? But I think this is, I think this is the right spot for him, especially in my list where this is kind of the, the switch where we go from young guys to guys with more experience. And at 12, I'm going from the LA Clippers. I'm going with Paul George. Um, If Paul George can go out there and play like he did in the playoffs last year. And when he was in OKC and when you're talking about Indiana, Paul George, if we get that Paul George this year, he is definitely a top 12 player, if not higher. If we get bubble Paul George, he, he is not a top 12 player. He's, he struggled in the bubble, but that's, that's such a different scenario and we saw crazy things in that bubble and that weird year that was 2020. I, I think if Paul George can just play his game and do what Paul George does, he's a top 12 player. The Clippers are going to be really, really good. Um, it's That's just that culture they have uh, in L.A. now is the Clippers are good, uh, which is kind of weird uh, for anyone. They just expect the Lakers to be good. But now they've got Paul George and Kawhi in that deep team. And I think I think they've they've got P.G., uh, checking in at 12. That's where I got him. Uh, who do you have at 12? Yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said because I've got Paul George at 12 as well. Um, on one hand, I think what PG is now is what Jason Tatum's upside could be. You know, a, ta- a very talented scorer who is a pretty underrated defender. He's always going to demand a max contract. He's always going to be a top 20 guy in the league, somewhere between, you know, 15 and five, you know, forever, basically, because his score is skill set just is so in demand for what the NBA is. Um, on the other hand, uh, I think his stock has gone down since he and Kawhi have struggled to get things done in LA. And I think because they've never ascended to what we thought they were going to be, uh, he's just kind of been relegated to where, you know, we think about him in Indiana more than we do uh, about him in LA, which is, which is tough because, you know, in Indiana, he didn't have a, a, a finals MVP next to him. So it, it's tough. I think his stock has gone down throughout the years, but he's still very, very good. You know, if Paul George was looking to come to the Pistons, I would, there would be no hesitation for it. And that's, you know, he's still one of those guys that's an eye opener in the league. I just think, you know, he needs to do more from a team perspective, uh, get a little bit more success on a team level, uh, and then he'll get a little bit more respect for what he is. Because, again, like Jason Tatum, perfect mix of, like, his athleticism, his body, his scoring. His, uh, he's a perfect mix. He's just got to put it all together for a season. Uh, uh, we'll see if that this could be the year for that Clippers team. Uh, but I got PG at 12. We'll move on to 11, who you got at 11. So at 11, I have uh, former MVP uh, James Harden of the Brooklyn Nets. and. I this is another one where I'm like this could be really low for James Harden, but um, I think with him kind of taking a back seat in Brooklyn, I think it's kind of the perfect spot because James Harden is still ridiculous. I mean, he's a former MVP; he can literally do everything. And when James Harden is on, there's not many in the world that are better at the game of basketball than James Harden. Um, so he's checking in at eleven with that 
crazy team in Brooklyn that they are with we don't know what's going on with Kyrie. We'll talk I I'll be talking about Kevin Durant next week. I don't I don't know about you. Um but that that team's crazy and James Harden coming in at 11, I'd still that could be low. Him not cracking the top 10 seems a little wild, but I think 11's the right spot cuz I, I I don't know why, but in my head there's questions about James Harden when there probably shouldn't be, but that that's just that Brooklyn team in general. There's just a lot of haze, it feels like. Uh, and it feels like KD's team to me. I don't know why, uh, but it, it just feels like that's that's KD's team and not James Harden or Kyrie's. But uh, who do you have at 11? I got James Harden. Yeah, uh, that Nets team is just like a bunch of dudes that, like, if they were just basketball players, pure basketball players, uh, might be the most stacked team of all time. It, it's just the the aura of everything else that comes with those guys that makes the Nets just so – you know, hard to put your finger on, but we're just going to have to see what they are for a year, you know, a full year this season, see how they play together. I think that's what we're going to have to, we're going to have to judge this Nets team on. Um, At 11, I've got a four, I've got one of the MVP candidates of last year. I've got Joel Embiid at 11. Uh, I had a Gobert because of his defense, Cat because of his offense. And I like Embiid because he's the best of both worlds. You, you can rely on Joel to be the best scorer on the floor and the best rim protector uh, in basically any game he steps on. There's only a few guys that are better than him in, in either of those categories. So uh, I think just the biggest thing for Joel is staying healthy. If you if you can get a full year out of Joel Embiid, he might win an MVP this year, uh, but it's been a problem for him. So uh, staying healthy is going to be huge for him in the 76ers. And we're going to see what he looks like without Ben Simmons, you know, demanding a bunch of the ball this year, because regardless of what happens with that Ben Simmons situation, uh, it's going to be, uh, I think a different world. I think a lot more Joel, a lot less Ben uh, ball handlings uh, in big situations. So um I, I, I think Embiid's going to have an even bigger year than he did last year. So even uh, 11 is more of just, you know, guys are healthy this year. It's going to be a little bit different of a league, but I still think Joel Embiid's one of the best centers in the league. Uh, we'll move on to number 10 into the top 10. Who you got at number 10? So at number 10, I have uh, from LA Clippers, my second Clipper cracking my top 12. Uh, I have Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I think Kawhi comes in at 10 for me because I think Kawhi's better than the top 10 number 10 in the league. I think Kawhi's really, really good. I've been a Kawhi guy for a little while now. Um, it's the injury, and there's a lot of questions with it. We, we really don't know how many games he's going to play. We don't we don't know a lot of things going on with Kawhi. So if Kawhi is Kawhi, and he's he's doing that little goofy laugh and having fun and um, doing all those things, then uh, he's better than number 10. There's no doubt in my mind. He might even crack the top five, and we should be talking about him next week. But he's hurt. Uh, and we don't know how much we're going to see of Kawhi, um, which sucks because I, as, as a guy that enjoys watching Kawhi Leonard play and enjoys watching the Clippers, I want to see him every game just putting people in Alcatraz on defense and making shots that it seems like Kawhi Leonard should not be making. Uh, it's encouraging because people close to the Clippers have said he's ahead of schedule with rehab. So hopefully he can recover and be the cyborg that is Kawhi Leonard and he gets back on the court and plays great basketball and we get to see great basketball throughout the regular season and get to see playoff Kawhi and as he gets to hopefully go up against LeBron in another playoff series and all those great things. But uh, Kawhi, I think the name just speaks for itself with Kawhi. You, you can just see it, say Kawhi, the claw, former uh, finals MVP. Uh, he, he's amazing. He's just got to, got to get healthy and we, we shall see. Who do you have at 10? Yeah. Kawhi is tough. Uh, 
tough to put your finger on it. He and Clay Thompson both, I I just generally left off my list just because I didn't know what to do with them. I just was like, you know what? They're injured. Uh, I'm not going to put them in there because it's too hard to rate them between the, it's, it, I, you know, he would be up there for me if I, if I did have to rate him. So even with the injury, he's still a top 10 guy. I agree. Um, <laughs> at number 10, I've got Devin Booker a little bit higher than you do, but I think, you know, might be a little bit recency biased, like with Middleton last week, but I think he cemented himself as one of the premier guards in this league uh, and maybe the best scoring guard in this league, if in a, in a scoring guard heavy league. Uh, and like I said, with Clay out for as long as he is, I think you can make the case that D book is the best shooting guard in the league right now. Uh, he's almost there. Uh, he was on the best team on the best team in the Western Conference last year and probably the leader of that team. So um, I just, there's one other shooting guard, I think probably tops him right now, but D book is almost there in terms of it. And I, I think he's a top 10 player at this point and only getting better. You know, he's still a young dude. So uh, I'm looking for big things from D book this year as he becomes even more, I think less, less of the Suns' offense runs through CP3 more of it runs through D book this year. And it becomes even a, a, an all-star type uh, year for Devin Booker. Cause he didn't even make an all-star team last year. That's, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and that kind of speaks to how stacked the Western Conference is. And I'm going to stick with the Western Conference for uh, for my ninth player. Uh, and at nine, it is Dame time. I'm going with Damian Lillard, the point guard from the Portland Trailblazers. Um, it feels like more and more pressure has been put on Dame, and I don't really know why because it's kind of the same team that's been in Portland for a little while now. It's going to be him and CJ uh, and Nurkic just going up against these uh, crazy teams in L.A. Uh, and it, they're going to be dueling with Steph and the Warriors, and hopefully Clay if Clay can get healthy, um, and the Mavericks, and the Nuggets, and the Suns, and they're just going to be uh, going after everybody. But Dame, he's their no-doubt fearless leader, and I, I'm very, very excited to see what Dame can do and just add to the legacy of Dame and those big shots and just being the great leader that he is. Uh, so Dame comes in at nine for me. Who do you have at nine? At nine, I've got the guy who I do believe is the best two guard in the league. I've got James Harden, uh, obviously still one of the greatest scorers in the league. I still think he is the best two guard in the league, just edging out Devin Booker. Um, and that's scary considering, you know, his other teammate, Kevin Durant, is uh, still off my list. I'm waiting for next week for him as well. So uh, that makes the Nets team as scary as they are. But Harden's an unreal talent. He might be one the most efficient scorer in NBA history once his once his career is over he's got like the second best um the second best true shooting percentage of any player in the NBA like all time so it's somewhere it's some ridiculous number like 61 percent or something like that so he's a ridiculous type scorer um uh, and I think still a top 10 player and makes that Nets team very very scary uh so Harden and nine uh, move on to number eight. Who do you have at number eight? Number eight, I have from the Los Angeles Lakers, Anthony Davis. Uh, I think uh, AD is one of the best big men in the league, and there's no doubt about that in my mind at all. The brow, I think, uh, I think he got criticized a little bit because he was banged up, and he that both the Lakers stars, you got LeBron and you got AD. I think they both got criticized because they they were hurting. They were hurting all year last year, and that. I think if you paid any kind of attention, you could tell that they were hurting. Um, and I think this this extra rest that they're getting after such a short offseason is really going to help both him and LeBron. Um, if AD's healthy, there's not many players in the league better. That's why he's coming in at eight for me. Um, 
if he if he has one of these dominant AD seasons, the Lakers are going to be scary, and we both think they're going to be scary. So we probably both see a dominant season from the Brow coming uh, coming up. Uh, but yeah, at eight, I have Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers. Who do you have at eight? Love that pick, absolutely. I've got AD coming in a minute, but at number eight, I've got Nikola Jokic at eight, and I think a bit low for the reigning MVP, but I do think. Last season was a bit more MVP of opportunity with the injuries to key guys, like you said, LeBron and, and AD, and, and the list goes on with the guys that got hurt last year. But make no mistake, Jokic, Jokic is still a top 10 guy, still getting better, and, and, and might be the best passer in the NBA at seven foot one inches, and that's just incredible. Uh, and like I said, if the Nuggets get Jamal Murray back in time for a postseason run this year, uh, look out for Denver to be really scary good this year because I think you know that duo between Jokic and Murray. I, there's there's not many duos I think are built better for the NBA right now. And that in terms of what Jokic can do passing the ball, what Jamal Murray can do scoring the ball, uh, I think it's just a match made in heaven for those two guys. All right, so who you got at number seven? Moving on to number seven in our top twenty-five list. At number seven, I have the pride of Philadelphia that is not Rocky. I have Joel Embiid, the man down low for the Sixers, number 21. Uh, you've got Embiid a little bit lower. Um, I think the trend I've noticed in my list is I've got I've got this this little glob of big men in my top 10, which I don't hate. I, I love big men, what they do uh, on the court. They had a, a very uh, important uh, part of the game of basketball uh, that sometimes gets undervalued in today's game. Uh, Embiid was very, very close to being the MVP last year. Uh, injuries hurt him, and uh, that's hurt him his whole career. Uh, he struggled staying healthy. Uh, he struggled playing uh, lots of minutes, and that's something that he definitely needs to address coming into this year, uh, getting ready for the 21-22 season. But if even if we get the Embiid that has struggled with injuries and um, struggled playing long minutes uh, – it doesn't matter. Embiid is very, very good. Uh, he's going to have the double-doubles almost every night. He's going to lead the 76ers to a good year. It's just what he does. No matter no matter what dysfunction is going on in Philadelphia, Joel Embiid uh, isn't consistent when he is actually on the basketball court. And that's why he comes in at number seven. And there's, there's one big man that uh, edges him out uh, just a little bit that I'm going to talk about after you give your number seven pick. Uh, love Embiid there. Definitely a great pick. At number seven, I've got the brow. I've got Anthony Davis uh, at number seven. And I think when a lot like Embiid, when AD is healthy and on his game, he's a top player. I think AD might be a top three player. And sometimes he's even the best player in the league when he's on his game and healthy. Uh, injuries have just made him so cons- inconsistent lately in the past few years. And it just, and I hate discrediting players because of their health, because they can't control that. But uh, with a guy like AD, when you're, you're hurt as much as you are and uh, out of big moments as much as you are, it kind of it, it has to do – you have to take that into consideration a little bit because you just don't know if he's going to be around in the playoffs when you really need him. So uh, I think if you got a 100% healthy AD, he's a top three player. Uh, but seven's about where I feel like he's good with him for – where with all his injuries with how little you can really rely on him he's still a top 10 player for sure but I think seven's about right uh move on to the last one of the week at number six who you got at number six number six the guy that just barely missed my top five and he'll get the big would have got a big spotlight next week uh I've got the league MVP I've got Nikola Jokic uh rounding out my little three big men spot right here in my list between AD and B and then Jokic coming out on top uh, he's the MVP of the NBA. Uh, 
you you just mentioned him at uh, at eight. Excuse me. Uh, he's awesome. He the, what he did last year when Murray went down, just stepping his game up after he was already. Uh, a lot of people thought he was the league MVP and just stepping his game up and uh, leading the Nuggets to a crazy good season uh, going into the playoffs, duking it out with uh, Dame in the first round, duking it out with uh, the Suns, which ended up going to the finals. Very, very, very good season. Jokic, uh, it, like these other big men, the, that's the thing about big guys in the NBA. You got to stay healthy. And luckily last year, Jokic was able to do that. If he can continue to do that, get Jamal Murray healthy, Jokic is a scary side on the basketball court. Uh, obviously, he's the league MVP. Uh, who do you have at six? At six, I've got Damian Lillard rounding out my my top rankings for the week. Uh, and I think this could be the year that Dame enters MVP talks. And I, I, I think this is a lot like the Aaron Rodgers type deal this year because it's like this feels like the last ride for him in Portland. If they're not going to be competitive this year, it sounds like he's going to be done. Uh, so I think that just it makes for an exponentially better year for Lillard. Uh, and uh, I really want to see how him and, and Chauncey uh, gel with, with Chauncey Billups taking over as head coach in Portland. Uh, can that relationship save Dame in Portland? I, I think it, it could. Uh, and I, I just all I know is I, I don't want to bet against Dame in, in any situation. I think he's one of those guys that just is always getting better. I think he's a top six player for sure. And I think on the verge of the top five and possibly even getting better. I think it's one of those dudes that it, he's just hard to root against for what, for everything that he's become out of Weber state uh, to become a, a top, top point guard in the league and a point guard heavy league is, is, is awesome. And uh, rooting for Dame, always rooting for Portland and then hoping for a big season for them. Uh, that okay, so that'll do it for the NBA rankings for this week. Looking forward to getting the top five revealed next week. Uh, looking forward to the social media posts that you can find on our Instagram and Twitter for those. Uh, we will move forward to this week in sports. We're quickly going to jump over to our interview with our co worker Keenan Atchison here for just a minute to talk about the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury third fight, uh, ending the trilogy this week. So we will bring you that interview right now. All right, quickly, we are going to switch gears here for uh, in this week in sports. We got our main man, Keenan Atchison, joining us in the building today, uh, talking about a big fight going on uh, in the boxing world. Keenan, how are you doing today, my man? Uh, I was doing good until um, it it seemed like I was dealing with America Online trying to get through here. But, uh, you know, hey, I'm just glad to be here. um, Glad to see you guys, man. And thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Appreciate you joining us. We are no stranger to internet issues on the Dylan and Dylan show. So no worries there. Uh, (laughs) We're excited to have you on because we've got a big fight in the boxing world this weekend. Tyson Fury and uh, Tyson, the Tyson Fury. Why am I blanking all of a sudden? Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder fight. Tyson Fury (laughs) and Deontay Wilder, the third edition of that fight coming up this weekend. And we had had to get you on to talk about it. So Keenan, uh, what, is, what is your thoughts coming up with the big fight coming up this weekend? Uh, you know, it's been a really good uh, couple of weeks for, um, especially as far as heavyweight boxing goes. Um, we dealing, we got this fight, uh, Fury Wilder three, which is the, the third fight, um, the trilogy so far. The series is um, Fury has one win and the first fight was a draw. So Deontay Wilder is trying to get some get back. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had Anthony Joshua, who's arguably the um, the face of uh, heavyweight boxing. He lost to uh, 
Alexander Usyk, who's um wow, who was undisputed at uh, cruiserweight, which is the weight uh, class right below heavyweight. So um you know it's been a it's been a big couple weeks, and you know it's only right to have one more big fight heading in uh heading down the home stretch before uh, we get uh Canelo again in uh, November. So this is a good time, good time in boxing. No doubt at all, and I think I think it's exciting because it's an actual like big fight feel when it's not a Paul brother that's getting ready to fight. Where we've got actual boxers getting ready to fight, we got a heavyweight uh, title match. It's the trilogy. I think that's the most exciting part for me getting ready for this fight. With I don't like to watch Logan or Jake Paul. Yeah, uh, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's no disrespect to the Paul brothers. You know they they doing their thing, but um, yeah, this is a uh, you know between two guys that are. Uh, especially in Tyson Fury. He's very skilled. Deontay Wilder, they don't call him Bomb Squad for nothing or the Bronze Bomber for anything. He coming in there to knock your head off. So that's what he's going to be looking to do. He's trying to get some get back. He had, uh, he didn't look too great the, the last time out. He lost to uh, Fury and got TKO'd. And, you know, he just kind of like didn't look right. But then he came, he had like a lot of excuses and uh and whatnot. So we shall see. Uh, what he's gonna, um, what he plan, what he has in store for Tyson Fury this time out. Yeah, so you, you talked about it. It was a draw the first time. Fury got the better of him the second time. Uh, third fight coming up, the really the deciding one for for this trilogy. Uh, what are you looking for? What are the keys for for both fighters coming into this one? What do they got to do to make this their their fight? Well, for um. For Deontay Wilder, what he's done already is kind of like block out all the noise. We've seen him at one of the press conferences. Uh, you know, Fury likes to talk, is a big, big-time talker. So Deontay Wilder wore headphones. Uh, he made some switches in his camp. He had uh, Mark Breland, who used to be his co-trainer. And then he brought in Malika Scott, who's a former heavyweight boxer himself, who who also is one of um was one of Deontay Wilder's opponents at one point in time. So Deontay Wilder has worked on a few things. Uh, it looks like uh, in his camp, some combos. Uh, his movement is looking a little bit more fluid. Just uh, being able to box a little bit more and rely on his jab, maybe a little bit more than before, instead of just, uh, you know, putting everything into that right hand. For Tyson Fury, uh, all he really has to do um, right now, you know, since he, he was the victor the last time, he doesn't have to really make wholesale changes. He can kind of like rely on the same thing. Uh, last time I, I think he came in at 200 and close to 280, 280 pounds. So he was sitting down on his punches. He was determined to actually knock Deontay Wilder and get him out of there. He said going into the second fight, he was going to knock him out. And hey, he, he was able to accomplish that. So we shall see as far as uh, Tyson Fury. He's a... Uh, you know, the mind games have begun between those two and Tyson Fury is, yeah, I think he's, I think he's going to try to uh, replicate what he did in the last fight. Just um, coming there, uh, trying to be more powerful, bully Deontay around and, you know, going and looking for the kill, which both men will. Yeah, no doubt. I think that's the exciting part of just a heavyweight fight, especially when you got a trilogy and you know, these guys probably do not like each other. They're probably going Absolutely. behind closed doors and saying very mean things about each other. Uh, the thing that sticks out to me is the different physiques. It, Deontay Wilder is just cut from like granite and it, he just looks like a specimen. And then Tyson Fury looks like he could be at like 
a McDonald's down the street <laughs> and just hanging out. So I, I, I don't even know what my question is. Um, just that, that difference in physique, like, does that, do you think that plays mind games with Wilder? It's like, he sees Tyson Fury. He's like, I should be able to knock this guy out. What is going on? I'm, I'm Deontay Wilder. I look like this prime athlete. And Tyson Fury looks like he's some guy's uncle. Well, I mean, that that, that might uh, play a role, but I don't think so. I think, you know, it, it's a little bit different when it's heavyweight boxing because there is no weight limit on heavyweight. So it's just like, hey, if, if I decided I wanted to box heavyweight and come in at 400 pounds, I mean, look at, example, look at Butterbean. Butterbean was, was it the <laughs> the pinnacle of a, of a prime physique? But, um, no, I think uh, I think it doesn't really. Uh, in this case, it it really doesn't matter. Um, what Deontay Wilder had going for him originally, like in the first fight and pretty much throughout his career, is he's athletic. So he has like those the the twitchiness, you know, the fast twitches, and you know he can just turn on a punch, you know, on the drop of a dime. Uh, Tyson Fury ironically for as big as and as large of a human being as he is the man is nimble on his feet and can actually box and he's able to move and and stick and move and he's very defensively sound as well so it's just it's you know it's just funny you know you you see Tyson Fury you think this big guy he's just he's you think he's just going to be a lumbering guy that's just coming in there to um knock people out but no he's he's an actual craftsman he's a he's a boxer he he can move and stick and move and you know he kind of he's almost uh i wouldn't say a, a flawless fighter but for someone of his stature and his size to fight at heavyweight uh it's pretty remarkable and you don't see that too often yeah i i think it's crazy um again going back to the physique because I, I think that's the thing that just sticks out in my head right. um i honestly don't think if tyson fury looked like his brother tommy i don't know if he'd be as good because tommy's not that crazy good uh he's not bad at all but i i think tyson i don't know i think he keeps calling out jake paul i know that much. i know i'd love to see it i'd love to see if we got fury versus paul i don't care which fury it is i'd love to see tommy step in the ring with him i trust I me i don't think jake i don't think jake will ever step in the ring with tyson that no, that would not be a good idea that would all. be idiotic i it would be a spectacle but that would not last long at all unless no, jake no. paul is really gonna rig a fight because <laughs> if that was a real fight tyson fury would be done in a couple seconds i i concur <laughs> i agree i agree but yeah, it's it's just gonna be um interesting to see how this plays out. You know, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's um, on top of that, it's a it's a it's a joint promotional card between top ranked promotions who uh, who are normally on ESPN and PBC, who is uh, Deontay Wilder's promoters, and they normally fight on um Showtime and Fox. So for them to do a joint card, that should show you the magnitude and the importance of this fight is that two heavyweight promotions titans are able to come together for a um a matchup and uh they did it the second time so hey the money's got to be good so let's do it again absolutely it's going to be really exciting uh finishing up do you have any predictions for the fight this weekend oh god uh i was hoping you wouldn't ask me that i keep going back and forth uh i uh I told Steven I was going to have a prediction, but now I think I'm just going to sit back and 
just enjoy the fight. I don't think I'm I'm gonna come up with a prediction. You know what? Forget it. Deontay Wilder's gonna win by knockout in the tenth round. I don't know why I'm saying it. I love Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is my guy. Heck of a boxer. I like skills more so than punchers, but uh I think Deontay Wilder just uh you know, by him losing that last fight and it was in devastating fashion. I mean, he got went from pillar to post the the entire fight pretty much. And for him to come back for this third fight, that tells me that he really wants this. So um, just based on sheer determination, I'm going to lean towards Wilder. But uh, if Fury does it again, I would not be be shocked. So I'm I'm probably uh, leaning 51-49 towards Deontay Wilder. So, but I just anticipate a great fight. That's all I want. I'm going with Wilder, too, just because I'm jinxed right now with my picks. I want Tyson Fury to win, but if I pick him to win, he will not. And now it's like, if Wilder wins, I'm right on a pick. If not, Fury wins. That's cool. Yeah, I noticed last week that you missed all your college picks, and Dylan Dylan Jesperson got all the college picks right. That was I, – I said, wow, look at this. Picks, the baseball picks, I, I could pick anything right now, and it would be wrong. So, Wilder. I'll go, I'll go Deontay Wilder and go Fury go. All right, there it is. There it is. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for joining us, Keenan. We're really excited for the fight this weekend. Uh, uh, we're really uh, happy to have you on. Uh, come back anytime you want to talk about some fighting there with us. Oh, absolutely. I'll be back soon, and you guys take care. And uh, thanks again for having me on. See you all soon. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. All right, thank you, Keenan, for joining us today. Uh, looking forward to that fight this weekend. We will move on now uh, to the MLB. Uh, maybe a bit mercifully for Dylan moving on to the MLB. We got to do a little bit of a review, a little bit of a preview of what's happened in the postseason thus far. Uh, the Red Sox and Dodgers win their wild card games, eliminating uh, the Cardinals and the Yankees in the first round, uh, setting up some awesome series. Uh, the Astros have already beat the White Sox tonight. Uh, it was recording on Thursday night. Uh, coming up next will be the Rays and the Red Sox. Uh, awesome series between LA and San Francisco getting uh, going to get going tomorrow. Uh, a lot of cool series in these divisional series to look forward to. But uh, Dylan, what's been your reaction to the past couple of days of postseason baseball? Uh, and what are you looking forward to the most? I thought the wildcard game on Tuesday was a ton of fun. Uh, I picked the Yankees because I was like, I thought it was an easy pick. Like I said with Keenan, my picks have gone very awry. And I was like, oh, it's the Yankees. I'll pick them. They'll win the biggest payroll in baseball. They've got all these stars. And those little feisty Red Sox out in Fenway, they just had to make me look dumb, which I'm fine with. I like watching the Red Sox win. They're a really fun team, especially at Fenway. You, You can't beat Red Sox fans. They are very, very passionate. Boston fans in general are just awesome. Uh, so that was cool watching that Fenway them beat the Yankees in a winner go home game. That there there was that game on Wednesday that happened between the Cardinals and Dodgers. That was whatever. Um, that yeah, the Chris Taylor. All uh, hey, it ended with All Star Alex Reyes pitching to All Star Chris Taylor. And I mean, hey, you got two just behemoths at the top of their game. Just and Chris Taylor got the best Alex Reyes and the Dodgers. The the Dodgers find a way to escape the 90-win Cardinals, the 106-win Dodgers. They find a way to escape the Cardinals, so they'll move on and uh, face the Giants in the LBS. Um, the series that I'm looking forward to is um, Atlanta and Milwaukee. I think there's – I think for some reason it's being overlooked, and I don't know why. Uh, there's a lot of history there between Milwaukee and Atlanta with the Braves – 
uh, having a deep connection with Milwaukee. Uh, I, I'm very curious to see what happens because Atlanta's a really, really fun team to watch. I, I wish Acuna was playing because that would just elevate a little bit more. Um, I, I want to see Atlanta beat Milwaukee, I think, because uh, I'm not crazy about the Brewers. Uh, I don't. I just don't think the Brewers could beat the Dodgers or Giants. I, I really don't. Atlanta, if Atlanta gets hot on offense, I think they can play with anybody because that offense is scary. Um, so I'm excited to watch that. Dodgers-Giants will be fun. I wish it was Giants-Cardinals, but it is what it is. Cardinals go retool, get healthy. It'll be fine. They're the Cardinals. Um, and on the AL side, uh, I like I said at the beginning, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So I, I, I'm kind of rooting for the White Sox. The White Sox and Cubs don't like each other. So if you don't like the Cubs, I like you. Um, so rooting for the White Sox against the Astros. Uh, and then raise raise Red Sox will just be fun. Um, hopefully, hopefully uh, they can get some fans into that stadium in Tampa and they can get rocking because, you know, at Fenway, they're going to be behind the Red Sox and they're going to be rocking, trying to see an upset. I don't even know if it'd really be an upset. The Red Sox are good. But the Rays, Rays are also really good. I don't know. It's going to be a lot of fun postseason baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Starting off my reactions, uh, I think with the Yankees going down, uh, I, I I did predict that. I, I was about to predict the Yankees were going to win. And then I saw the stats uh, of Garrett Cole at Fenway this year, and I realized how bad he'd been at Fenway all year. Really bad. Yeah. Really bad. Really, really bad. And, and then it happened again. And uh, so I, I'm glad that I, I did look that up because – I don't know, something about Gary Cole Fenway. That's there's something there. I don't know what it is, but he, he cannot pitch in Fenway. Uh, and it, it hurt them again. Uh, I think that's got to be the end of Aaron Boone as the Yankees manager. I think, you know, he's, he's 328 and 218 in regular season games, which is pretty good, but 11 and 11 in postseason games. And that's not what you want as a Yankees manager. So, uh, and that's a, that's a stacked New York team too. I mean, you've got Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Joey Gallo. I mean, it just, it goes on and on. You got Anthony Rizzo in your leadoff spot. That's a, a pretty stacked lineup for you to not even get out of the wild card game with that, that lineup is uh, rough. So I think Aaron Boone's probably done there. And I think that New York team's going to be, look a lot different next year. Um, heartbreaker for your Cardinals, obviously last night, but uh, it sets up, the first ever Giants Dodgers postseason series ever. We talked about that right before we got on. It's two historic franchises have been around for hundreds of years and they've never played a postseason series. It's crazy. And with the season that the Giants have, it just it just fits that they have to now play their their rivals, the stacked Dodgers in their first postseason series. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the Rays and their young pitchers that they're, that they're starting. How about Shane Boz coming up? He's only made three career starts and he's going to be the starter in game two against the Red Sox. Uh, And all three of the starters that they have lined up right now are really young. So uh, we we talked about it last week with how young the Rays are and how good their farm system is. We're going to see a lot of those dudes that we were talking about this week, because I, I didn't expect Shane Boz to make the postseason roster, much less be starting a pivotal game two uh, against the Red Sox. So I, I'm excited for that. Um, I, if I had to make predictions, I actually think the Rays are going to run the table in the AL. I just think uh, they're going to end up losing to whichever, whichever team wins that Giants Dodgers series. The winner of the, the World Series is going to be decided in that series. I'm picking the Giants right now just because I'm, rooting against the Dodgers more than I am rooting for the Giants. But uh, I think whoever wins that series is going to win the World Series. Uh, th- those are the two best teams in baseball right now. Um, I like the Rays. I, I, I like the White Sox, too. They, they got shellacked already tonight. But I, I'm rooting for the White Sox. If, I think if, if, 
if any team could win, if I, if I could choose one team to win, I would choose the White Sox. But um, I think Rays Giants right now would be my prediction. I would also pick the White Sox, like I said, which is bizarre. If you go back to one of the first Dylan and Dylan shows, because we absolutely pooped all over Tony LaRussa. And now <laughs> sitting here in October, I'm rooting for good old old Tony in the White Sox. Yeah, and, and that's an interesting uh, situation, too. I almost forgot Tony LaRussa and D- Dusty Baker going at it for again. I mean, that's a s- historic rivalry in baseball. Uh, the fact that they're going at it now as, as Astros, White Sox managers seems a little bit out there, but... That's that's awesome, and that's that's going to be a fun series to watch too. Um, Astros got the better of the White Sox tonight, but we'll be watching that. Uh, excited for a fun postseason. I think the MLB postseason is going to be a lot of fun this year. Um, looking forward to it. Finally, move on to our picks for the college football week six slate of games. Our followers on Twitter have us picking between BYU and Boise State. Dylan has us picking the Iowa Penn State game this week, and I have. Oklahoma versus Texas in the Red Rivalry Shootout. Red River Rivalry Shootout. Red, one of those. One of those is right. The uh, Red, Riv- uh, the Red, Red River, River Rivalry. I think it's the Red River Rivalry. It's at the State Fair. At, Con- at the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Either way, we'll start out with the listener's choice. We've got BYU, Boise State, a top 10 team versus the, you know, the, the group of five team from uh, our childhood in Boise State. Uh, who do you got in the game out west? So long story short, BYU. Um, I like Boise State. I've liked Boise State for a few years now uh, with Hank. uh, I don't want to butcher your last name, Hank. I think it's Buchanan, Buchanan, something like that. Bachmeyer. 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 I don't know where I got Buchanan, but Bachmeyer. I like Hank a lot. I think he's a good football player. I think BYU is going to win, though. I wouldn't mind Boise winning, though. Me picking BYU probably means Boise is going to win, which is fine with me, but I'm going to go with BYU. I, you know, I – I want to pick BYU, but I actually think I'm going to pick Boise in this game. And the reason is I've watched BYU a few times and it's not, it's not because you pick BYU. Uh, I've watched BYU a few times. And while I think they are good, I think they're a very solid team. Uh, there are some, some issues with that team and that Utah, I watched them specifically last week against Utah state. And uh, there were a few times where I was like, this Utah state team might have it to, to come back and beat this BYU team. They didn't end up doing it, but I think, uh, a team like Boise State, they're a little bit underrated because they've already lost three games this year, but they've lost three games to three good teams. Uh, I think they could bounce back and upset BYU this week uh, and take the reins of the Mountain West Conference. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Boise State in an upset this week uh, over BYU. So uh, we'll move on to the Red River rivalry uh, down in Texas, uh, in Dallas, uh, Oklahoma versus Texas, who you got? Uh, they might as well call it like the Sandy Cells Seashores by the Seashells uh, shootout in <laughs> Santa Fe. Um, I'm going to go with at, – at the Texas State Fair, I'm going to go with the Longhorns. Uh, go Good old Sam Ellinger, they're back. The Horns are back. So congratulations on your win, Oklahoma. Who do you have? Um, it's it's going again. It's going exactly the same as we went last week because I got Oklahoma again. I wanted to pick Texas too. Uh, I've thought about picking Texas, but I just uh, Texas always lets us down in this game specifically. It's not like I think Texas is always usually pretty good. They just come into this game and lay an egg every time. And I, I've not been happy with the way Oklahoma's played this year. I think they'll bounce back against Texas. I just think Texas always plays bad against Oklahoma. It's the last time they'll be playing in the Big 12 and uh, 
Oklahoma's dominated in the past few years. I'll, I'll go with Oklahoma. I think Rattler bounces back, has a big game, and, and kind of embarrasses Texas because I think Texas – they just suck in this game. I just I can't pick them in this game. I like Texas a lot, and they suck in this game so much that I cannot I cannot pick them. So I'll go with Oklahoma. We'll move on to the big one. Undefeated Iowa hosting undefeated Penn State in Big Ten play this week. Who do you got uh, in that game? I'm going with Iowa. They're the home team. I think that's the safe pick. Um, so congratulations to the Nittany Lions on your big win. Uh, that'll boost you in the college football playoff rankings. That, that, that'll be great for you. But I, I'm going to go with the Hawkeyes. Um, hopefully that I was sleeping on Iowa big time before this season started. And like when they played Iowa State, I was like, oh, it's, it's the Cyclones. They'll have no problems with the Hawkeyes. Turns out Iowa's sick. They, their defense is crazy. They look like the Steelers out there on defense. That's nuts. Uh, so best of luck to Sean Clifford. Because I've said all this, he'll probably throw for 500 yards. But um, it is what it is. I'm going with Iowa at home over Penn State in what should be an awesome game. But, again, I probably jinxed it to hell now. So <laughs> who do you have in that game? I, I finally can agree with you. I've got Iowa in this game as well. Uh, winning on the road at Kinnick at night is just impossible. It's just, it's the last thing you want to do. I don't care if you're Alabama. I don't care who you are. Winning at Kinnick at night is just, it's just impossible. And and like you said, that Iowa defense is sick. That Iowa defense is really, really good. They turned tel- Talia Tugavailoa from a Heisman candidate into a nothing quarterback in one week. Uh, he went from one interception and 10 touchdowns to 12 touchdowns and six interceptions on the season. So uh, rough. Uh, I think Iowa is, is solid on both sides of the ball. I think too, too solid for a Penn state team to go in and win on the road. I'm not going to pick uh, uh, Sean Clifford led team. Uh, James Franklin led team on the road at Iowa. I just can't do it. So uh, go with the Hawkeyes. They stay undefeated uh, and they, uh, they could be, you know, one or two next week, depending on what happens in that Georgia game. Cause I was, that would be a big win for Iowa. Uh, all right. We'll get those posts out for you guys as well. That's going to do it for us this week on the Dylan and Dylan show. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we get wrapped up here? Yes. I'm very excited to see Tennessee wrap up the or roll out those black uniforms against South Carolina. The last time they did that was a Lane Kiffin led Tennessee team played South Carolina on Halloween night, 2009. They won 31 to 13 against the Steve Spurrier led Gamecocks. Um, I'm hoping for a similar result. That would be really cool. I just like a win though. South Carolina is not crazy good, but again, me saying that they're probably going to come out and look really, really good on Saturday. I'm my superstitions have got to me bad this week. Um, uh, but, yeah, I'm very, very excited for that. And hopefully the Titans can bounce back after uh, losing to the Jets. They've got the Jaguars. The Jaguars have had a doozy of a week with all the things that have happened in that organization. So that will be interesting to see uh, how if both teams can bounce back after weird weeks with what the Titans did in New York and everything that the Jaguars organization did in Ohio. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's it. Excited for fun weekend of baseball, uh, basketball, preseason basketball back, and then uh, football. Yeah, absolutely. Michigan on the road at Nebraska this week is a little bit – I shouldn't be worried about it, but it's just one of those games, you know, Nebraska still Nebraska. At some point they could, you know, put it together, and I'm just uh, so afraid it's going to be against us. So uh, hoping Michigan can just keep rolling on. They're up into the top ten. Just keep rolling on. 
and uh, you know the lions will be lion the lions i have no doubt in, in my mind about that uh okay thanks again to keenan for joining us today and thanks to all the listeners who have made it all the way through this point in the show you can find the show on social media on twister twitter and instagram at dylan dylan show you can find tunnel vision sports on, on instagram twitter and tiktok at underscore tv sports on facebook and linkedin at tunnel vision sports and on the web at tv have a wonderful weekend everyone stay safe out there and we will meet you back here next week we will see you guys later